As we come this morning, we are going to be looking together at a family perspective for the family of God, a family perspective for the family of God, and indeed that is a fitting passage and text to come to on this Mother's Day as we celebrate those mothers who are such a securing unit and uh, such a wonderful blessing within our family units. As we come this week, we would need to remember that last week Paul had exhorted Timothy to be an example in speech and conduct in love and faith and in purity. His sterling example was to be found in his faithfulness to God by obeying and proclaiming God's word within the family of God, which is really the fellowship of the church. Indeed, we are to see and understand that the fellowship of the church is really the family of God here within this world. And today we are going to see how these family relationships with others are to be exercised within the church. Oftentimes, we see the body of Christ as an organization instead of an organism of the living Christ, a firm instead of a fellowship of forgiven sinners, and a corporation instead of a church of changed saints by God's grace and for his glory. We, get, we view what we do here oftentimes as nothing more than a country club in which we have cultural ties rather than a family fellowship with the most precious relationships that we have in this world here within the church. And yet that is contrary to God's word. We are to have deep ties, precious ties to our faith family. This ought to be the place where we can turn when there is nowhere one else and nowhere else to turn. Indeed, we need to change our, our view because the word family uh, describing the church speaks of care, of concern, of intimacy, of love and openness. We need to change our perspective from a country club corporate culture in which we come to sit, soak, and sour into a family fellowship where we like and actually love one another. It needs to be changed. It needs to be turned around. We need to be seeking God, serving his kingdom and saturating this church and this community with his love. This does not mean that the church or the people in the church will be perfect, does it? No. It doesn't mean the church or the people in the church will be perfect. For indeed, if you are looking for the perfect church this morning, I just want to let you know right now, we're not it. If you're looking for the pastor, perfect pastor, I'm not him. But the reality is, the perfect church and the perfect people of God indeed are those who have already gone to be with him. But as long as we are in this world, we struggle with sin. And so we need to understand if we are looking for the perfect church this morning and we think we have found the perfect church, I need to give you a word of warning. Don't join it. You'll ruin it. Why? Because indeed we are a fallible flock of flawed saints, but we are redeemed by Christ's love and we are working actively, striving to increasingly bring ourselves into conformity with Jesus Christ. And yet we falter and even fail at various times because we still live within a wretched and wrecked world that loves sin more than God's Savior. We need to see that and understand that. 
All of those in the family of God are fallible. They are flawed saints, but they are seeking to serve Jesus Christ as their Lord and King. Indeed, we need to understand that families are an awful lot like fudge. Mostly sweet, but with a few nuts. That describes your family this morning, doesn't it? Maybe you're the nut, maybe you're sweet, I'm not sure. But here's what we need to understand. Families are made up of a very wide and diverse people of all ages and stages. And it is to be celebrated that God has brought together in Christ Jesus a spiritual family that is there to encourage us and exhort us to live as Christ would want us to within this world. And so our concern for our church family should be redemptive relationships with our spiritual family for the church's good and for God's glory. The church is to be much more than a country club where we come and sit, soak, and sour. The church is to be the family family of God seeking him faithfully serving him with fidelity and saturating this community and this church fully with the love of Jesus Christ as such we are to care for one another as if they were in our own family because ultimately our true truest family the family not that we will spend a little time with here on this in this earthly realm but the, the true family that we will spend all of eternity with is Christ church Indeed, if we are redeemed by the work of Jesus Christ and united with him by faith, we are eternally saved. And very re- in a very real way, we are being sanctified day by day as children of the living God. And therefore, we serve one another as we live with a family perspective for the family of God. Let me ask you this morning, do you have a family perspective of the family of God? Is the church the most precious place in your life? Is this group of a, a group of people who come along and encourage you and exhort you, who carry your burdens when you are going through the worst of life, is this the place where you love to be? We have a true perspective of God's church. It will be a family perspective of the family of God, and we will see that the church is our truest family here within this world. With that being said, let us turn to 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 1, and let's look there at the words of of Paul to young Timothy, and let's stand now in honor of the reading of God's word so that we might be people who get a family perspective for the family of God. It says in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 1, In the inspired and inerrant word of God, do not sharply rebuke an elder man, but rather appeal to him as a father, to the younger men as brothers, to the older women as mothers, and the younger women as sisters in all purity. Do not sharply rebuke an older man, but rather appeal to him as a father, to the younger men as brothers, the older women as mothers, the younger women as sisters in all purity. Father, we ask now that you would lead us and guide us in the study of this, your holy and inspired word. We ask that the Holy Spirit would now come and illuminate what you have inspired to be written within these pages so that we might live differently because of the love of Christ that has been shed abroad through the gospel in our lives. Lord, may we be faithful people, not just to sit, soak, and sour, but, Father, to be people who would serve you, who would consistently, uh, Father, serve you 
here in this church and throughout this world so that we indeed might testify to the transformational work that has been done in our hearts by the gospel. Father, we ask now that, Lord, you would speak, for your servants are listening. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. We see within this passage that the church is the eternal spiritual family of God exercising redemptive earthly relationships for our good and God's glory. That's what the passage is really basically all about. The church is the eternal spiritual spiritual family of God exercising redemptive earthly relationships for our good and for God's glory. That's what we should, how we should approach this. And as we come together this morning, we need to have the same approach that Paul had. And firstly, we need to have the approach that the, the primary concern of the church is spiritual restoration. Spiritual restoration. We see that in verse 1 as Paul begins his teaching. He is building on that teaching that went before in chapter 4. That, that Timothy is to silence false teaching while being an example in practice and purity for the church to follow. He wants to underscore the depth of care and concern that should be evident in the earthly relationships of those within the church of the living God. It is clear from the first few words of verse 1 that Timothy, young Timothy, timid Timothy... Pastor Timothy must address in a redemptive manner some concerns that have cropped up within the church. And notice this isn't just one little area of confusion in the church. This isn't one just little group off by themselves that is is somehow not involved with the rest of the church. There are many concerns in many different groups. As such, young, timid Pastor Timothy is to address and correct the spiritual errors. But notice, he is to be very careful to avoid verbal violence that would too harshly hammer the one that needs to be confronted with redeeming love for his good and God's glory. Indeed, it's a lot like those who would say, well, I'm speaking the truth and that's all that matters. No, no. Because Ephesians says, speak the truth out in love. Timothy, don't exercise verbal violence by hammering too harshly upon these men and women who are erring in the faith. Rather, Timothy, you need to come along and exhort them. Our question should be, how do we treat others in the church who are having problems in their walk and in their worship? How do we treat those who are having problems in their walk and in their worship? We should treat them with love, with dignity, with respect. And we encourage and exhort them to repent of the wrong in their life and return fully to working for and worshiping the living God in spirit and in truth. See, our goal in confrontation of sin within the church is not to elevate and exonerate ourselves while obliterating and ostracizing the guilty party. Rather, our goal of loving confrontation of sin within the church is purity within the bride of Christ. It should be our goal to see redeeming and restorative relationships taking place all around us. Our goal is not to beat somebody over the head and to hammer them while they're down. Our goal is to lovingly encourage and restore. 
Our goal is to redeem and restore the wayward sheep through repentance of sin and right relationship with God. So we appeal, admonish, encourage, and entreat those who are struggling with sin and come alongside to strengthen them in their battle. In fact, in Galatians chapter 6, we see specific words given to this. And it says this, Brothers, even if anyone is called in any trespasses, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself that so that you will not be tempted bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of christ for if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing he deceives himself listen if we see a brother or sister who are erring in sin we are to lovingly go to them and approach them and confront them about that sin not so that we can beat them up or hammer them down we are to come alongside for what purpose to see them redeemed and restored in their relationship with God and with God's church. Matthew 18, if you see a brother and sister in sin, what are you to do? You're to go one-on-one and address that sin. If they hear you and they repent and are restored, you rejoice over them. If they do not hear you, you are to take another and you're to go two-on-one and come come before them and confront lovingly that sin. And if they hear you and repent, you are to rejoice. But listen, if they reject you, you are to tell the elders. And indeed, the pastors will at that point go and confront the sin lovingly with great humility calling that person or those persons to repent and to be restored and if they do repent and are restored then we rejoice if they don't repent and are not restored then indeed we tell it to the whole church and the whole church comes alongside trying to bear with that person that sin that fault those things that are that are encompassing their lives calling them to gracious loving restoration and repentance And if they don't hear us, we must exercise church discipline. But that is not the purpose. The purpose is not to exercise, to obliterate or ostracize those who are guilty of sin. The purpose of the loving relationships within the family of God is to redeem and restore a right relationship with God and a right relationship with God's church. If you've ever done any boating, you know it is essential for you to stay on course. And in order for you to stay on course, you need some sort of bearing by, by which you can take a reading. If you steer just a few degrees off that desired course, you can wind up far from where you wanted to go. Indeed, the story is told of, one, uh, of a shipwreck that happened because a sailor had broken off a small tip of his knife blade when, when he was cleaning the ship's compass. But rather than remove moving it he just left it there and that little bit of metal in the midst of their next voyage pulled the compass just slightly off of its true reading resulting in the ships running aground indeed a slight deviation can lead to utter devastation we need to be warned of that if we leave ourselves and our direction our course uncorrected and we let sin sit and simmer within our lives, then we indeed need to be warned that there is a great, great devastation that can come from that. And it's the same spiritually. Correction is not a nicety. It is a necessity 
within God's church. If our lives veer off course and continue in the wrong direction, indeed, we will have a shipwreck of our faith, as was referred to in ch- at the end of chapter 1. Because, minute, because of that fact, God wants every believer to be involved in the ministry of correction, in the ministry of restoration, that indeed each of us as family members of the family of God are to confront sin within the church and we are to lovingly call our brothers and sisters to purity. See, confronting sin is not to be done with verbal violence. Rather, sinning saints are to be humbly and graciously, lovingly confronted, strengthened, and encouraged toward holy living. The primary concern in spiritual confrontation is spiritual restoration. Secondly, the primary approach is family care. The primary approach is family care. See, we are not to verbally assault the others within the church. Rather, we are to deal with them graciously and humbly as with our own family. Now, I need to say something about this passage. And I need you to hear me and hear me well, especially young men and young women, students who are in here this morning. You need to understand this passage was written in a different time and a different place where the children were disciplined swiftly and seriously for being out of line in their interaction with parents or anyone who was an authority within their lives. And and let me just say, young men and young women, the way you treat your parents, your pastors, your teachers, and all authorities within your life is a direct reflection of your relationship or lack of relationship with the living God. And the parents say heartily amen to that. The way you interact with those who are authorities in your life is a direct reflection of your relationship or lack of relationship with the living God. But parents, let me give you a warning. There was a time and a place where the parents were much more serious and much more swift with their discipline of their children so that they knew how to respect the authorities that were over them. Utter silence. Why? Because we know we have compromised on that value in this culture. And you know the problem with your kid isn't your kid. It's a lot more about the parent. Yes, our culture influences them. And yes, our culture affects them. And yes, indeed, there can be problems that come from the culture. But listen, most of the problems that I have seen has come because Christian parents, quote unquote, have compromised within the doors of their home. Parents, we must be serious about discipline. Children, if you seek to honor God as your heavenly father, you will obey his command to honor your father and mother so that it might be well with you and that you might live long upon the earth. That's the first command to you with a promise. Children, obey, honor your parents that it may be well with you and that you may live long upon the earth. Uh, oh, by the way, parents, Raise up your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. How much time have you spent teaching your kids about sports instead of about spiritual matters? How much time have we devoted to the things that are secular 
instead of the things that are sacred. We must confront ourselves honestly about our approach to parenting, but understand, and I want to deal with one more specific issue for our children. If your constant demeanor towards your parents is cold and callous and cruel, constantly cursing them, you need to consider again whether you indeed even have a relationship with the living God because you can't treat your parents like that. And say, God is my father. Why not? Well, James chapter 3 tells us. It tells us that our, our words are to reflect the relationship we have with the living God. No one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things should not be this way. Does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, produce olives or vine, produce figs, nor can salt water produce fresh water listen if the love of god is in you and you are living for christ you cannot be callous and cruel cursing your parents all right belabored that enough but this is family care you need to hear it because i see within our culture Children who have obfuscated any sign of respect for anyone who is older or different from them. Even within the homes where they are provided three meals. Safety and clothing. They have chosen to revile and reject their parents instead of listening, hearing, and heeding their parents. Indeed, this command within this passage is for all of us to consider as we speak to one another in our physical and spiritual families. Are we reflecting the gospel in our attitude, in our actions, and in our words? We must address these issues. The application of this command is to fill and flow through our interaction with everyone within in the church notice the church is to have all sorts of ages and stages of life present within it it's not just building a church for those who are under 30 or those who are over 60 it's not just building a church targeting one one particular group as we have been told within the past 20 years within church growth movement listen the church has all ages and stages and genders present within it and that is what makes it beautiful because there are sinners from every nation from every tribe, from every tongue, sinners from every age, from every gender present within the family of the living God. What a beautiful picture. The beauty of the church is that in Christ Jesus, one family has now been formed out of Jews, Gentiles, Greeks, slaves, free, male, and female. Not that color, creed, or gender has been eradicated or erased, but that the walls of separation and division that were once a barrier between those things has now been utterly cast out and driven down, destroyed in God's gracious work of salvation in Jesus Christ so that we now might be one Christian family. And the church is to be a place of mutual accountability. 
We're to be holding one another accountable in Christ. After all, that's exactly what this passage is after. That's what's being talked about. We're to be helping one another in the living of the Christian life. But care is to be taken in the way that we exercise and relate that responsibility to one another. Timothy is told, Timothy, listen, you are not to speak to older men harshly as if they are upstarts. You're to appeal and reason with them as fathers. As your own father. You're not to speak to younger men in untactful ways. But rather you're to speak to them like brothers. Paul is telling young Timothy. We're a family in the local church. And we're to relate to one another as such. How do you see those who are sitting all around you? Do you see them as beautiful family members? Fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters? If Christ has changed our hearts and transformed us from sinners into saints, these are your family. Look around you. Yeah, the ugly one sitting right down there on the other end. The one that you don't want to talk to sitting right over there. Sitting right over. It doesn't. We are family within the church of the living God. We need to act like it. We need to love one another. We need to bear with one another. We need to instruct one another as such. Timothy is a young and timid pastor. When you see an older man straying, you are not to speak to him in a demeaning, harsh, and strident way. You're to speak to him as if he were your own father because God has brought you into his family and because that family is expressed in the life of the local church. Timothy, you are to express in your dealings with the different members of the congregation your respect for their different ages and stages within the family of God. The older men are to be fathers. The younger men are to be brothers and just a word of exhortation be sure when you address those things that you address them properly i could go on but i I will move on from this i don't want to belabor this point but we need to see each other as genuine genuine spiritual family paul doesn't stop here though it, it's not just that Timothy is to treat uh, the, old, the old and young men in a certain specific manner, but rather he is to treat everyone in a specific manner. Both old and young are to be dealt with, both male and female. And so he goes on to say, you are to be, appeal to an older woman as mothers. The older women are to be treated as mothers. Indeed. We have great love and affection for our mothers, don't we? It's all right for us to talk about them, but don't let anybody else do it, right? The reality is we are to have that same affection and care for the mothers, for the older women in our congregation that we have for our mothers. These women are not to be neglected in the process of pastoral care. Indeed, these women are to be looked out after as mature women, right? Experienced. Is that okay? Mature and experienced. Not, you know, I'm not going to put an age range if you're over 39. Oh, I just did. Never mind. Mature and experienced women. 
They are to be instructed as well. They are to be challenged and charged to live the Christian life in faithfulness and fidelity to the living God. And when those older women are in sin, they are to be approached and corrected with great care and great concern. Because of their standing, they are to be approached with the same consideration you would approach your own mother. Now, children, once again, the seriousness of how you approach your mother is found in these words. You ought to approach them rightly. You ought to approach them respectfully. I'll give you uh, uh, just a, a momentary passing of my growing up. One of, one of the commands in the Wiggins household, and it will be true in our household as well, was when there was a direct order of command given by the parents, guess what the children had to say? Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. And we did it. And we understood. We said, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. And we did it. And then if we had a problem later on, we could come respectfully to approach our parents and ask a question. But the first action was obedience and submission to the authority of our parents. And so we were able to question, but we were able to question as a loving son who would approach his own mother with humility, grace, love, and spiritual wisdom. That is how we are to approach those women within the church. Timothy is to approach the older women of the congregation as if they were his own mother. And so, as we see here, there is a very special relationship. It is very exciting for me to be a part of Adamsville Baptist Church. Because I have 120 mothers that took, that took a 29-year-old single man into their arms and loved him when he moved away from his mother. Moved away from his family. And you brought me into your homes and you fed me, obviously, pretty well. (laughs) And you cared for me. And you nurtured me. And there is a special relationship between myself and you. And if there is ever a time and ever a place that we ought to celebrate that relationship, it is within the church of God. There there ought to be spiritually minded mothers instructing our younger children in spiritual matters. We indeed need to make sure that our focus is not on status and success, but our focus is on spiritual strength within the community of faith here at Adamsville Baptist Church. Finally, we see uh, in verse 2, Paul concludes, he says, to approach younger women as sisters in all purity. Very important, in all purity. When the younger women are out of line, they are to be shown the care and concern as a sister in Christ. They are also to receive spiritual care and mature and nurture, and they are to be dealt with in a pure manner. Timothy is to be careful in the relationships that he has with females, especially younger females, to make Make sure that everything was done above reproach. He would deal with them in the, with the utmost integrity and sexual purity. Indeed, he is to maintain a purity that would never, never, never 
tarnish their relationships, but rather would banish all evil thoughts and deeds. Indeed, he is to protect his sisters. He is to respect his sisters. He is to set an example for his sisters and not to compromise in any way their integrity. Young man, if you are here this morning and you are not married to the young lady who you are sitting beside and you you call yourself a Christian, you need to look at her not with the eyes of what can I get from her and how can I take advantage, but you need to look at her as if she is the daughter of your king and of your heavenly father because if you are in Christ and she is in Christ the question is not how can you take advantage of her and what can you get from her the question is how can I love her as my little sister in Christ Jesus Paul is telling Timothy don't treat everyone the same in the church recognize the various ages and stages and genders of life for God indeed has not created some sort of aggregate collective cut out of the cookie cutter person he has made individuals and those ind- individuals constitute the church and the different station ages and stages of life the different stations of life that they hold are to be respected and honored as we minister to them within the church family the church indeed is to be a place of of mutual accountability and so we ask is it ever right to rebuke someone second timothy chapter 4 verse 2 preach the word be prepared in season and out of season correct rebuke and encourage absolutely it is right at times to rebuke and to deal with sin openly and honestly and to confront it but we are to do it in this way according to second timothy chapter 4 verse 2 with great patience and careful instruction see it's when and how we are to confront sin in the church not if it's when and how we are to confront sin in the family of god not if We are to confront it when and how gently with great care and concern for the spiritual family so that we are encouraged and strengthened for our good and for God's glory. Our primary concern is to be spiritual restoration within the body of Christ. And our primary approach is to be the family care. And our primary message is to be the gospel. Nothing else. The gospel That Jesus Christ is Savior of the world and Redeemer of mankind. He alone is able to set sinners on a right standing with the Holy God. Fathers, mothers, brothers, and sisters, let us care for one another in a way that is good for us and brings God glory to God our Father. Indeed, James chapter 5, verses 19 and 20 says, My brothers, if any among you strays from the truth and one turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his will, his way will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Well, how do we do that, Pastor? We give you the gospel that in and of yourself, there's nothing you could do to put yourself in right standing with God. But if you this morning would repent of your sin, turn to Christ in faith and say, I surrender all. 
all of who I am, all of what I've done to Jesus Christ, the one who paid the penalty and bore my sin upon the cross of Calvary and rose again in glorious victory over sin, death, and hell. If you this morning will say, I give my life to him and I surrender everything to him this morning, he will redeem you. He will make you new. He will restore you to a right relationship with himself and a right relationship with God's church question this morning is are you willing to lay down everything are you willing to have a family perspective of the family of god here at adamsville and say you know what the most important spirit the most important relationship in my life is now the relationship i have with the living lord jesus christ and as i look around the church congregation here are my fathers and my mothers my brothers and my sisters. Because Christ has made me one with himself. And therefore I am one with his church. Father, as we close this morning, would you lead us in our time of decision? Father, allow us, Father, to surrender everything to you this morning. Father, to no longer see our earthly families as the preeminent priority within our relationships. But Father, to see you as the preeminent priority within our relationships. And that, Father, because we have become now sons and daughters of the Most High, we are indeed brothers and sisters with all those around us. Lord, may you lead us and guide us in this time of decision. May we have a culture of care and concern that has been stirred up for the church of the living God here this morning. Father, may you lead us and guide us in this time of decision. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would stand now, we're going to have a time of decision and sing.